What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. Bonjourno. Bonjourno to you as well. How are you this fine I'm evening? doing all right, but uh, some of you might notice that my voice is a little off. It's because I just got my rubber bands. And your Invisalign. Affixed into my mouth for my Invisalign, and it hurts like a mofo, and they're kind of cutting up my mouth. Jeez. So, I'm sorry. sorry. We'll keep this. So, yeah, <laughs> we're, this is going to be a very... Pass We're sit. switching not, to not no like humor, 10-minute yes. NPR episodes, yes. so Games. sorry. We love them, and we're here to discuss them today, me and my co-host. I'm Terry Close. I don't know what her name is. her name? I don't know. I don't know. I'm what Ira, is her Ira name? Glass, uh, oh, Sam should be on this episode. She yeah, knows she all really should be. Well, she loves all the NPR shows. I love wait, NPR. Wait, don't tell me and all like, that stuff. I, I unironically love NPR, and even so, I also see the humor. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It. You have to be able to poke fun at it because it is pretty ridiculous. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we're not going to quite do that. We're joking around, but we are here to talk about some video games because that's what we do here on Team Chat Podcast, the video game podcast. We talk about video games, the ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. New episodes come out on Tuesdays, 9 a.m. Central Time, and you can catch those on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all over the place. You can go to teamchatpodcast.com slash where to listen to find all the places where. You can also watch the video version of each episode on YouTube. You can also find us on social media such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We also have a Discord server where you can chat along with us throughout the week and when we're not here recording episodes. And we're a completely listener-supported show, so if you really are loving what we're creating for you each and every week, head over to patreon.com slash teamchatpodcast, whereas for as little as a dollar a month, you can support the show, and in return, we'll give you cool perks, like getting the episodes early before their general Tuesday release. You can get that early access for both the audio and the video versions, and both peers, peers, tiers of our patron, Patreon. Lots they should call this. them peers. They should. That's a much better. Yeah, I like that. Patreon tiers. Patreon, take note. Yeah. They're we peers now. <laughs> we got good ideas. But anyway, so you can head over there, and you also get access to the private channel on our Discord server specifically for patrons. So it's a lot of fun stuff happening over there. But then again, that's patreon.com slash teamchatpodcast. But before we get into the topic of today... Let's get a little bit of news in our moment with Mogan. Coming soon. So as of this episode's air date on March 12th, we have the Caligula effect, colon, overdose. For PS... Oh, excuse me. We have the Caligula effect, colon, overdose. Uh, That's coming out for PS4, Switch, and uh, PC. Mm Mm-hmm. I was on March 12th. Wow. <laughs> I don't think I can do an NPR voice all the time. It's so hard. Uh, but then we also have... The <laughs> it's too ridiculous. Uh, we also have The Legend of Heroes, colon, <laughs> trial... What's up with all of these names? Anyways, The Legend of Heroes... I know this week they give you the longest names ever. Right? Not cool, people. Um, trials of Cold Steel... Oh, my God. Okay. The Legend of Heroes, colon, Trials of Cold Steel, hyphen, Decisive Edition. Okay. That's coming up for PS4 March 12th. Looking forward to it. We also have, finally, a short one, Lego Marvel Collection <laughs> for PS4 and Xbox One March 12th as well. Also, March 12th, we have MX... These ATV All Out colon Anniversary Edition for PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, we also have Truberbrook. Okay. I don't know what that is. It sounds like something that would have to do with off-roading. I don't know why. It just sounds like it would. Yeah, Anyways, I'm Truberbrook. Assuming, yeah, four-wheelers and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, right. For PS4, yeah. uh, excuse me, for PC and Mac. There Mac never gets games for PC and Mac March 12th. Especially on release day. 
And then coming in the very near future on March 14th, we have Rico, that is spelled I-R-C-O, for the Switch. And then we also have Blood Waves for the Mm, Switch as well. I don't know what that is, but it sounds great. Uh, That is coming out March 15th as well. We also have... The Division 2. That's right. Right? That's that right. crazy that it's already out. Uh, it the is. Division 2 comes out for PS4, Xbox One, and PC March 15th, right alongside One Piece World Seeker for PS4, Xbox One, and PC as well. Very There's nice. a lot coming out next week, actually. Out. Yeah, it's, it's really funny. I saw a graphic on IGN posted on their Instagram where they, they're always like, what are, what are you most excited for in, coming out in March? And it was like Devil May Cry 5, uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, and one other game that I can't remember. And then the last one was Yoshi's Crafted World. <laughs> so it was all these like dark action games, then Yoshi. And then Yoshi. <laughs> Speaking of, in case people weren't already aware, I am pretty sure that the Yoshi's Crafted World demo is currently available is. on it the is. Switch store. Yeah. So I've been if you're not play sure, that, actually. Because yeah, so I know Sam's going to love it. Oh, she's going to love it oh, so yeah. much. I mean, we don't even need to know anything about it to know that it's she's going to love it. Yoshi in a Crafted World. She's I'm pretty there. sure. Can't you do it two-player? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be really fun. Yeah. Uh, we me, still need to finish up the new Super Mario Brothers Wii U Deluxe 2, whatever it's called. I want to play that with you guys. The Switch one version? It's love, fun. I know. I played the one for Wii U, and it was amazing. Yeah. I'm so glad they brought it to the Switch. But Bro Mogan and I played some of Wooly's, Wooly's, some of Yoshi's Wooly World uh, back when it was on the Wii U as well, and we played it co-op. Mm. It is really fun to just totally stab your co-op person in the back. Like, just make sure that you jump on them as they're trying to cross a gap so that they miss well, their Well, that's exactly jump. how it is in the Super Mario you, Brothers exactly. one, too. Yeah, that it's happens really all the time. Not, it's great. Can you bubble? Yeah. Wait, I think you egg. You egg, but I think it's the it, same thing. Yeah, it's the same same that concept. Pretty sure. That would make sense. That it would. Maybe be you do bubble. It's been a while. I don't know. Well, <laughs> because you know, it might be, they might have that same. They'll probably have the same mechanic in Yoshi's Crafted World. I would imagine. Probably so. so. I really wish that they'd make two player Hollow Knight. Can you that would imagine be cool. I actually jumped into that a little while ago. Again, yeah. when we were coming back from uh, Bermuda. Oh, yeah, you actually played uh, How Far Are You Now? Oh, I'm still very, very... Uh, Never mind. The, the green... Greens oh, you path. made the green path. Yeah. The whole second part. Exactly. Great, you're doing a good I job, buddy. I finally figured out how to like find the bosses and beat the bo- some of the bosses in the first area, so I was doing good. I'm proud of you. But sorry, I cut you off. I, so, I'm sorry. about what the. Uh, you were talking about oh, like, playing yes. it. I just wish that Hollow Knight were two-player because I feel like with that amount of difficulty, having an additional person will only make it worse. And I feel like it would be a really yeah. fun time to hate your friends and family. It would be tense. It would be tense. It's already a tense game. Yeah. And then you add in an additional layer of another person messing up your slashes and your jumps. And I feel like it would be a A-plus good time. Tough. It would be tough. <laughs> You know, though, it's kind of interesting, though, because you mentioned the Division 2. I actually played, like, a little bit of the beta when it came out last week, and I only got to play for a little bit, like, an hour, maybe. Did a couple of the first few missions. Maybe because it was late at night, I was kind of like, you know, I don't need to do this game and Anthem at the same time. So I might skip on Division 2, and I'm actually feeling about trying something new with going for Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. I think that's an excellent plan, my good sir. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm, I want to try that one out indeed. instead of going with Division 2 since we have Anthem still. So, Which also, speaking of Anthem, can you believe our timing again? <laughs> yeah, Twice in an hour. First really the THQ unlucky. Nordic episode <laughs> oh, and then man. their PR gaffe. And then yeah. we have Anthem that came out. We do our review of our first impressions of Anthem and we're like, it's so fun. We're having the best time. And then can you believe it? Literally the next day again. 
I think it was the, because the whole bug with the with yeah, the, uh, it, it the came crashing out like with with one of the just standard weekly updates. Yeah. it introduced a bug that causes for PS4 players specifically for your entire PS4 to crash and brick. So and, stuff. So, and it's so far, I think there are, I've seen like some people maybe have found some workarounds or things that have worked for them. But yeah, it's yeah. been a it's been a cluster. So I've been a little scared to play Anthem as much. I mean, but it's still, not like, happening just, to everybody, no. but you don't want to take the risk. I know, but That's I want to play I get it my so bad. <laughs> I want to play it so bad. It sucks. We'll just so have to just wait for patient, the patch to come through, and then, and, you know, and then we'll be good to go. But I'm still still enjoying what I have played of it, though. But now let's move on to our main topic, which this one's coming from one of our patrons, Ark. Indeed. She requested that we talk about games that are ones we've played through multiple times, at least twice, uh, and maybe more than that. But why we chose to go back to them? What about the game drew us back in and wanted to go through a second playthrough? Because really. There are many games that I love. There are many games that I would love to go and play back a second time, but honestly, time's limited. And especially with as many games of coming out and everything like that, especially recently, going thinking about going back and trying to play a game is again is kind of daunting, even though there are several out there that I want to platinum and in really a hundred percent complete. But so this is gonna be a fun topic, I think, because it will. I think for me, I kind of go back like in a few years. Oh yeah, mine so are actually all games. pretty old. So this because, which would make sense. We had more time yeah, when we were course. younger. And this particular topic is um, actually kind of like a twofold thing because it's not only what motivates you to go back and replay a game, but also games that you enjoyed more the second time around. Right. Do you want to kick us off then with one of your with one of your games, or would you want me to? Kick I suppose us? that I will kick us off. So take it away. This is a series that everybody who is a fan of Team Chat knows that I die hard love. I would love for it to someday make it to the Switch. Okay. Fingers crossed that it eventually does. It's one of the older series that we've talked about. Uh, older being like, by this point, the first game would have been more than 10 to 15 years old. Okay. Can you guess it, good sir? I'll give you an additional hint. Okay. There are three formal entries in the series okay, so not the one and thinking. one additional shitty one <laughs> that no one played oh, that sounds familiar spyro no Dang actually it. oh that was a good guess though yeah <sighs> based on the three oh that was a very yeah. good yeah oh, that's what i, I was see, going I off see of, the i remember reasoning. when you're talking about that one uh metroid no God. okay i'll give you okay. one more try one more and one more hint. hint it is a nintendo series okay so my initial thought when you first started talking about it was uh, the Bravely Default, but I feel like that's... No, there's only two games That's what I Bravely. thought. There was only two. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm clueless. The Pikmin series. Oh, duh. Because there's Pikmin's 1, 2, and 3. 1 duh. and 2 were both for the GameCube. 3 was for the Wii U. And I think there was like a... like. Let's go Olimar. I don't know. I don't remember what it was called, but it was for the handheld. It was yeah. for the 3DS. And nobody liked it. It was probably okay, mm -hmm. but it wasn't. It wasn't real Pikmin. Uh, so Pikmin Two is specifically actually no, that's false. Pikmin One is the game I want to talk about oh, okay. because I would say that in terms of games I have replayed on a casual basis, meaning I took them back up and never finished them an entire way through. Right. Pikmin's One and Two are like. 90% of the entries on that list because they're really fun games to go back to very casually just to pick up wherever you last left off. But Pikmin 1 is especially interesting because having played Pikmin 2 and 3, it gives you a more... 
it gives you a greater appreciation of what they were able to accomplish when the GameCube was still in its infancy, really, because mm-hmm. Pikmin was one of the older games that came out for the GameCube at the beginning of its life cycle. I actually don't remember the year that it came out, so my bad, everybody. I want to say 06. Does that sound right? Stall I'm for me, buddy. Honestly, not very sure because, you know, even though we do know a lot of things here at Team Chat Podcast and we have a lot of knowledge Dates there between. It was called Hey Pikmin. I was so close. I was going the on shitty game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, continue. No, that's fine. It's, the moment has passed now. <laughs> My bad. So, anyways, that was. It just came up in the search and I was like, that's the one that sucked. All right. But the OG. Oh, wow. I was really not even that close. Um, Pikmin came out in 2001. Oh, wow. The first one did for GameCube, so actually that would be... I mean, I wouldn't have been as surprised if he had said the first yeah. one that came out for like N64, because I'm just not familiar with the Pikmin series. Are you or a fool, sir? I said I'm not familiar with it. Anyways, about, so... My knowledge of that is about that to Pokemon. To give, that, to give the Pikmin series a little bit of context for anybody that hasn't heard me talk about it before, uh, Pikmin 1 is a game that takes place... It's, first of all, these are real-time strategy games. Mm-hmm. So I consider Pikmin to be more like resource management because your Pikmin are like your resource, but it really does fall into the RTS category. So Pikmin one is a real time strategy game that technically happens on a confined space of time. The premise is that you've crash landed on a planet earth, spoiler alert, uh, and you are a creature, Olimar, a tiny little alien critter that can't breathe oxygen. It's poisonous to you. And you only have 30 days of whatever you breathe in your like spaceman helmet. At the end of that 30 days, you're going to run out of air and die. It's pretty good air. Unless, yeah, for real, right? 30 30 days. days? Yeah. Yeah. For just his one suit, he doesn't even have like tanks somewhere. It's pretty good. Anyways. So his ship is broken into pieces. He only has 30 days of suit oxygen. He has to get his ship reassembled to be able to survive and obviously make it back to his home planet. Right. The premise for Pikmin 2 and 3 are a little bit different in both cases. The premise of Pikmin 2 is you are not... Uh, stuck on a planet with a janky ship. You have been sent to a planet on purpose at Sorth um, with a still janky ship, but it functions. Right. It at least works. Uh, and the entire premise of Pigment 2 is you're just trying to make money. And I'm like, yeah, spiritually, I identify the most with Pigment 2. That's me and you, Pigment. We both want it, Pigment 2. We both just want to make that sweet, sweet cash. And then Pigment 3 follows a similar format in that much like Pikmin 2, it's not contained on a set timeline, mm-hmm. like Pikmin 1's 30 days. But it also doesn't have the complete freedom of Pikmin 2, because Pikmin 2 could just go on forever. You just had an unlimited amount of days, and you could replay days at any time. Pikmin 3 is kind of similar, but it's a cross between both. Because Pikmin 3 has you being four, three to three different adventures, mm-hmm. uh, and you as a collective have to make sure that you have enough fruit juice left at the end of every day to not starve to death. So in Pikmin 3, they reintroduced this mechanic of, oh, you do have to make sure that you're meeting a certain goal all the time, mm-hmm. or you will die. And to be quite honest, I despise that particular kind of incentive. Uh, one of the many reasons that I didn't like Pikmin 3, I'm sure I've harped on it before, so we won't talk about it too much, but I don't like having this looming incent- incentive of, hey, if you don't do something every day, you are going to die. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of the main reasons I hated Pikmin 3, but so why didn't I then hate Pikmin 1, you might ask? Right. The reason being... 
Pikmin 1, you still had to collect certain amounts and certain types of ship parts. But here's the thing. Not all the ship parts were actually required. Okay. So you had a certain amount of ship parts that you knew you definitely needed to reassemble your ship so that it could work and you would win the game. But there were also a ton of other ship parts around that were just cosmetic. I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but some of them were like, I think one may have been like, an antenna for like satellite radio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Omar definitely doesn't need satellite radio. But he wants to hear the sweet to jams. To be able to get home, but he does need his sweet jams. So they were kind of like, oh, a gramophone. Oh, I'm there you pretty go. sure yeah. there was a gramophone. I may have invented that in my mind. It looked like a gramophone, whatever it was. So it had all these little optional ship parts that you didn't have to get, but you could. So really Pikmin 1, even though it had this end game of if you don't finish the game in 30 days, you're just going to lose. Built into that 30 days were really a lot of different options because you could go freely once you had unlocked a certain amount of areas of the map. You could travel in between them at your leisure, collect your Pikmin at your own speed, and collect ship parts at your own speed as well. Mm -hmm. It wasn't this set, hey, if you don't have X amount of ship parts at the end of every day, the game is over. It was, you've got this amount of time, We're kind of giving you free reign to figure out what you want to do with it. And within that amount of time, you have to succeed at the goal, at the end game of the the end goal of the game. Mm -hmm. So with Pikmin, it's really interesting to revisit it with your greater wisdom and knowledge that you have, that you have gained as an adult. Like the way that I played Pikmin one, the first time around, I was terrible at it. Like looking back, I'm like, wow, A lot of my Pikmin died, for Mm. starters. And you know from Pikmin 2, I am very committed to the no-kill runs. They all have to live. Pikmin 1, I can't be that picky because you're on a condensed calendar and you don't have time to keep all your guys alive. Uh, You also didn't have as many types of Pikmin in Pikmin 1. It was just the yellow, red, and blue. Mm -hmm. Blue, of course, can swim in water. Red is immune to fire. And in Pikmin 1, I think yellow Pikmin, their key mechanic was that they could pick up bombs. Okay. I think that's all they did. Or was it that they were unable to be electrocuted? I don't know. I also don't remember. Something was different about them in Pikmin 1. You're just going to have to take my word for it. I think it was bombs. I believe you. I think it was that in Pikmin 1, they could only pick up bombs. They weren't like faster or lighter or whatever. Mm -hmm. Anyways, the point is, uh, with Pikmin 1 as a return, first of all, what made me want to replay Pikmin 1 was Pikmin 2. Because I finished Pikmin 2 and I was like, wow. Pikmin might be the best game series ever. Might be. Mm. It might be the best game series ever in terms of real-time strategy games. Why wouldn't I want to go back to Pikmin 1, which I'd comparatively played ages ago, like from when I last played, at the time, from when I had last played Pikmin 2, why wouldn't I want to go back and see what I can do differently within the time allotted to me? Mm -hmm. It almost presented itself as like challenge mode, because it's like, hey, unlike Pikmin 2, you got freedom, time, money, you can do whatever you want, go crazy, fam. Uh, Pikmin 1 was like, no, you don't have time, you don't have money, you have very little time and fewer resources than ever before, make it work, bro. And I really liked having the ability to go back to Pikmin 1 with these new eyes of like, mm-hmm. hey, remember all the strategies I implemented in Pikmin 2? I obviously have to build those back into this game. I have to make sure that I'm using my launch attacks way more efficiently versus my swarm attacks. And of course, I have to make sure that the pieces of ship that I'm collecting at the end of every day or at 
throughout the day, I should say. Right. And that the creatures that I'm killing at the same time are actually going to generate gains for me. I have to keep creating Pikmin all the time. I have to make sure that they get to max flower level because otherwise they're worthless. And I have to make sure that I'm collecting the right ship parts at the right time to make sure that I have the maximum amount of available days at the end of the game that I can just go derp around mm -hmm. and get all those other parts that I missed and like fight all the secret bosses. And that's what makes Pikmin 1 so much more fun, I would say, upon return is that once you've gained all of your knowledge from Pikmin 2 and even your shitty knowledge from Pikmin 3, you can go back to Pikmin 1 with just these fresh eyes of like, wow, this is a superior game yeah. to Pikmin 3. <laughs> this is a really good game. And it's amazing what they were able to do given the constraints of the GameCube, even though it was like the best, potentially best Nintendo system of all time. Don't at me. Strong words. Strong, Strong words. words. Anyways, in clumsy fashion, that is what makes returning to Pikmin 1 so fun and what makes it better on the second playthrough. Because you're even if you've never played any of the other Pikmins, if you play Pikmin 1 the first time through, you're not going to do it like really the right way. Right. Because you're still learning all of the mechanics. Whereas if you then play it immediately a second time around, you're going to be so much better. You're going to have more fresh. fun. You're going to get all of the parts that you wanted the first time but couldn't get like that sweet, sweet gramophone. I'm going to look that up because it's going to kill sure it's, me it's actually that a I can't remember that it was a gramophone or not. But yeah, Pikmin 1. Pikmin 1. A fantastic game to revisit. I mean, strategy games are and, excellent ones. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just just quick interjection, even if you don't still have a functioning GameCube and a functioning copy of Pikmin 1 for the GameCube, which is a collector's item by now and oh. is actually very expensive, oh. if you're not lucky enough to find it at a used game store, um, they did release Pikmin 1 onto the Wii. So it is still so old, but Wii is at least a little bit newer that they put it on the Wii as like one of the greatest hits of Nintendo. And actually, I think Pikmin 1 was one of the first games to get that treatment on the Wii. That's cool. So... Congratulations, Pikmin. A worthy series. Speaking of old games that are that are, you can play and all that stuff, that one bit of news that I did see in the last couple of days that I did forget about is that Blizzard made the original Diablo game available for on uh, goodoldgames.com, GOG.com. And you can buy it there for like 10 bucks or something, even though it's like been forever since that game came out. So that's kind of cool that they're doing that. Real quick, while I'm thinking about it, you know what other, I think, stupid news we forgot to talk about? What? Sony, like, streaming games onto your phone. Oh! What the hell is right. up with that? That's right. I just that? updated my PS4 to be able to do that. I couldn't figure out from your Discord post whether or not you were sarcastically talking about it, because I was like, yeah, that's really stupid. But then I think you might be actually, like, genuinely excited oh, no. about I'm, it. Will I ever actually, like, use that to play a game? Oh, I, God, I downloaded no. it so I could try it and see. Uh, it gotcha. looks like a mess. Like, Although, I would say, if I had games like, say, Stardew on my PS4, that one would be okay be for great. mobile. But like I'm seeing people on, on Reddit and everything in the PS4 subreddit putting videos of them playing like Red Dead and Witcher 3 and all this stuff on their phones. It's like the people It's really cool it's that that's really even a like thing. It's really like the people who play Fortnite on their phones. Like it's yeah. the same concept. Like why I don't, would you I tried Fortnite on my phone. It's, it's crazy. so hard. I just cannot understand it. Like unless it's your only option. But even in this case, you would have to have a PS4 to be able to right. play yeah, games yeah, on yeah, you your can't phone. Sign, it's not like you can so sign up for PS why now. why in the hell would you make the choice to stream to your phone unless because, you're stuck at an airport? I mean, yeah, but that's, a, I don't know. But people do, you know, I don't know. I don't, people got games to play and they have time and they find time away from home to play them. So they got away now that they can. Might not be the best experience, but they're going to go for it. I want to try it out still. I just downloaded the app to be able to do it and I haven't had a chance to do it. So my game 
my first one, is one that honestly, I replayed it because I, I was like really in love with necessi- with key moments of the game. Not necess- I mean, I love the whole game as a whole, but like I, the reason why I wanted to go back to this one is because there were like two or three specific moments about this game, one that really sticks out in my head, that I was just like, I need to experience this again. And the game is Halo 3. Oh, really? I actually wondered where you were going with that. Yeah. I wasn't going to guess Halo. That's so, interesting. Halo, one of the reasons for this is that I thought that I wanted to pick this one specifically is how quickly after I beat the game the first time that I went back and played it again. <laughs> now, granted, like I've said before on the show, like I didn't get my first console until about 10 years ago. So I've been playing catch up on some things. So by the time I got one, like Halo 3 had come out and been around. I, Halo 3 ODST was already out, I believe, at this time or about to come out. And so... I remember playing it, and so I was still building my collection of games, as it were. So I didn't necessarily have many options, which might contribute to why I replayed it again so quickly. But still, I remembered that one of all the Halo games, specifically having very these like very specific moments. And honestly, I think this moment in particular that I'm thinking about is pro- might have been one Zach talked about before. It's really? possible he's talked. About, he talked about a lot of Halo. I don't know who you're talking about. I've never heard of that person oh, before. Zach. The the ghost that used to stand the acclaim, here? No, the acclaimed filmmaker who's in Bermuda right now showing his feature film at a film festival. Is he now in Bermuda? Yeah. What is with everybody going to Bermuda except me? I don't know. When I, we were that in sucks. Bermuda, I was like, wait, is that coming this weekend for a film festival? That, that would, would be crazy. Be crazy. No, his film, oh Bentley's Wish, is being shown at film festivals right now. It's exciting times. That's super exciting. Super exciting. Golf clap for him. Golf clap for the ghost of Zach's past. So I speak of Halo in his honor today. (laughs) So really, that's why why it's a specific moment. And this moment is in the final mission in the game, Halo. And the you're trying to get to the to the main control center of this Halo ring to I believe my details are a little fuzzy on it because it has been a very long time since I've replayed it again. But you're going in and you have to just basically do this to deactivate the Halo ring. I believe I apologize, Halo fans, if I'm butchering you that. But he, neither here nor there, the the end goal of what you're trying to do wasn't necessarily the key moment. There's just this one part I remember when you're running towards the the control center you have to cross this snowy plane with all these rocks and everything in it but the flood enemies which are like the infected zombie kind of enemies that they'll infect anything humans covenant i'm forgetting the name of the big gorilla type guys brutes thank you there it is brain thank you i was gonna say large grunt (laughs) (laughs) yeah and the grunts all that stuff they can infect all this and just make it these monstrosities and so you're just in this field and they can jump really high and really far they're fast and so it's just what was so cool about this moment is that you usually it was pretty easy to find like a gravity hammer, which is this big slamming hammer. You can just swing and it just that sends enemies super flying. Fun. And of course, it was like the flood would like disintegrate and blow apart in chunks when you hit them with it. You could use an injury sword. And it just was this very difficult, especially depending on what difficulty level you were playing it on. But I just remembered it feeling like this horde coming at you which most of the time that was the big thing about the flood as an enemy but i don't know just something about this specific setting really just stuck in my head and there was an earlier one where i remembered another mission where it's they were like all these brutes again but like in vehicles and you had to like rush rush this outpost and they just start swarming you and all their like the motorcycles again it's been a while i apologize i know i'm butchering this and halo fans are grimacing but still there it was just these I don't know. Halo 3 is one of the few commands that I remember having like these climactic battles that felt really epic. And now the other thing about Halo that I've always really loved is obviously the music. I've talked about that a lot, how good the music is for Halo. And even I can freely admit that the music is top notch. 
It's so damn good. I was listening to some of it earlier today and just like getting goosebumps, getting chills. It's wonderful. But even then, and when I was watching a replay of this last mission, Halo, to be able to kind of see it and get around and and kind of refresh my memory of it a little bit, it's just still you hear those tracks and you hear this music, and it just all everything about it is so epic so i remembered finishing the game it'd be like that was cool went to another game for like a little bit but i remember it was within a couple weeks it's like i gotta play this again try it on harder difficulty level and go back and that's what's the fun especially of a game like halo for me is is playing it again on a harder difficulty level because especially trying to find all the skulls i could do the fun things like i remember the uh, the one that you sh- headshot grunts and like confetti explodes. Okay, and that's hysterical. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's wonderful. You can find all these different collectibles and everything. And that's, I mean, that's a big motivator for me to want to replay any game. But again, because of limited time to go back and replay some of these games, it has to be, there has to be something about it that makes it stick. And for me, it was those epic moments in Halo 3 that really stuck around with me. The music, like I said, and then also it does have the iconic ending where, you know, Sergeant Johnson is, is killed by Guilty Spark. No! Then you have to turn and kill Guilty Spark. Turn no! and kill Guilty Spark. And Not it's, alternative Wheatley. <laughs> it's, it's all these things like Sergeant Johnson was from Halo One, like this character who's been with you the whole journey, and then you know is struck down in this in this moment. And it's just I don't know. The story of Halo Three is just one of the best of the series, and so I really just enjoy that game for its epicness. And going back is all about re-experiencing that again. So of course, that's why I have to go with Halo Three. Very nice, good sir. While you were talking, it occurred to me that I don't think. Ever, my motivation for returning to a game, any game, was to play it on a harder difficulty. Really? Not to see if you could just do it or anything like that? No. The only one I don't think I've ever done that. Not even well because you're like, not super into trophies or anything reason. like that. Yeah, like yeah. even the trophies. Sometimes it's really... trophies that I want to go through for, for yeah. something like that. But uh, but no, this one I don't know. Halo games are for me especially going back and trying to play those on hard difficulties are always fun. Something about like I can do it in Call of Duty. It's not as fun. I enjoy the game, but I mean Halo is better than Call That's of Duty. That's the thing. But most, still, mo- we've had this conversation before. But most in-game trophies that come down to gameplay, like oh, do X Y Z thing right. fifty times, those just seem like burdens to me, mm-hmm. and those are not fun, and I do not like them. If it were more like super secret hidden like the, the more hidden trophies where it's like yeah. oh you don't know yeah like, like get attacked by a raccoon in firewatch that's a fantastic trophy and it can only happen if you do certain things to anger the raccoon right right <laughs> like that's the kind of trophy system i can enjoy but even so i've never gone back to firewatch and tried to platinum it really like that's never been my reason for wanting to replay a game. i have a list of a few like one like god of war i definitely want to go back and try to platinum but uh, and then Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I definitely want to whenever I get back into that game finally. And uh, what's another one? Oh, Order eighteen eighty six. Because I got close to I that. Because I finally one. gave it back to well, you. Yeah, that's wait, part of I it did too. right. Yeah, you did. Okay, I was like, but, did I dream that? <laughs> no, you did. And but then, uh, but because I want to kind of go play back and play that one again because I know I got close to beating it and. I know that game got a lot of flack, and I've said it before. It's been a while since I've said it, but I loved that game, so I would go back and just do that have one. an anniversary. I saw something it was on an early Twitter PS4 game, about so I would be... Order eighteen eighty six, and I was like, "Why?" And if they do like a special anniversary edition, I might snatch that up. Yeah, interesting. It's a lot of good fun. But anyway, so what would be your second game? 
quick other caveat okay. that I just thought about. I don't know why I didn't take We're better notes. All these I know, I'm sorry. It's, no, it's fine. It's fun. And I it's love because this, of what Yeah, it's because of what you said about Bravely Default. Yeah. I posted it in the Discord, but I just want to remind everybody in case you're not on the Discord, you're a super lame kid. Um it was basically Discord. so this is kind of like a semi confirmed rumor. Right. But Square Enix's Twitter did basically just confirm through addressing a different concern that Octopath Traveler does have a sequel or some other installment of the series in development right now. Oh, that wasn't so, what I was going to talk about. Oh. I was remembered. No, I it was other... because, so this all came out because Octopath Traveler did officially get this uh, announcement that they're going to have basically a spinoff prequel for phone, for iOS. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, it's going to be for like Android and iOS, but then all the fans of Octopath were like, but what? But why? This isn't what we want. And they were like, okay, but hear us out. That game that you do want is in production. So it's like, nice. it's, a, it's a twofold thing. A, Octopath a is getting this interesting prequel. I think they said it's going to be more like a single player game, I want to say. I don't know if that means it'll still feature the multitudes of characters that you can be. I would hope so. Yeah. But that's going to be for Android and iOS. And then it's like, side note to all of that, they are supposedly, fingers crossed, working on a formal Octopath Traveler second installment for console. Very nice. God, I hope so. That'd be cool. And that's honestly, one I still want to go back and play. If this were a game that weren't uh, like a Nintendo exclusive, that that's better for everyone. Right. I like that it's coming to iOS and Android, even if it is just this sort of weird side game, because that means more people will be introduced to Octopath. More people can then enjoy it. Hopefully, get super into it and want to buy the Switch game. Mm-hmm, more mm-hmm. sales revenue. More opportunity for Square Enix to publish that to other consoles as well. Nice. Which Square is all over. Sony. Yeah. So why didn't it go to the PS4 in the first place? I I, I'll never understand that. I'm sure it was some sort of competitive business move, but probably the point is that's happening. Yay! That is exciting. Golf clap. And now, what are we actually talking about? You're you're telling us your second game that you enjoyed (laughs) on a second playthrough. Take a sip. It's all right. Collect your thoughts. Collect my thoughts. Mostly, I have to like keep my mouth lubricated. (laughs) It's painful in there, bro. so this one should be no surprise to anybody. And I thought about doing a different game instead, but I was like, yeah. Can you guess what game series I'm going to talk about? You don't have to guess the game. Okay. Just the series. I'm going to throw out Zelda. You're right. Boom. <laughs> right on the first try. Good job, buddy. I'm so good. Can you guess which game I'm going to talk about? You enjoy it for a second time. Link to the Past. Yes! yes! Holy crap! Nice work! <laughs> Very well done, good sir! Oh, so fire. I probably would have said A Link to the Past, uh, no matter what, mm-hmm. but it does kind of come with a double-edged sword because it is really kind of, this is a two-parter, because it is both A Link to the Past and A Link Between Worlds. So part of Ark's original question was, what makes you want to go back and play a game? And A Link Between Worlds made me want to go back and replay A Link to the Past. Because for anyone that doesn't know, for the Zelda series, um, A Link to the Past was one of the OG, like, games that started it all in terms of bringing The Legend of Zelda to a new height of popularity that it had not enjoyed before. Uh, I think this was for the SNES, right? The SNES? Yes. Yeah, the SNES. It's what the cool kids call it. It is, indeed. So A Link to the Past came out for the SNES eight billion years ago. I don't know how long ago it really was. 90s? Early 90s? 
Let's not worry about it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would happen. Whatever. Doesn't matter. So a Link to the Past comes out. It revolutionizes, I don't like adventure style gaming, which I guess is what you would consider the Legend of Zelda. Mm-hmm. Many, many, many years later, maybe four to five years ago now. Mm-hmm. 2014? 2013? Oh, that was five I years think ago. I'm probably kind of was it five? Yeah, it's 2019. Yeah, it was probably 2014 or 2015. Yeah. Um, anyways, a link. Be- excuse me. A link between worlds comes out for the 3ds, and it is very expressly something that you don't see a lot of in the Legend of Zelda. It is a new iteration of a Zelda game on the exact same map. We talked about this okay. when I had first played a link between worlds, but the idea is. Let's see here on the table. You've got your square. Head over to youtube.com slash podcast so you can see this great. This sweet square that I'm drawing on nothing. So it's an imaginary square still. So I've got it. I'm, I'm you with still you technically can't see it. But pretend that this is your square. And uh, A Link to the Past and A Link Between Worlds are both the top down gaming viewpoint. So you've got your square, which is your quadrant of map. The map for A Link Between Worlds is more or less an exact replica of the map from A Link to the Past. And to my knowledge, I can't think of another Zelda game that did that, like that exact thing of, okay, we've got this map from one of our very first games. Uh, We're going to take this super new game and just kind of use the same map, Mm -hmm. but it's a different setting, sort of, and we put all these new features into it. Essentially, A Link Between Worlds was a fantastic excuse to make a new Link to the Past, more or less, which is how I view the game. Other people might disagree, but that wouldn't... A Link Between Worlds came out, I was like, yes, they just basically remade the game and yeah. made it better. I'm so excited about this. Or at least made it newer, maybe not better. But having played and beaten A Link Between Worlds, uh, it's a fantastic reminder and a callback to some of the some of the facets of, of the Legend of Zelda gaming that the series has really gone away from in more recent years. So one of the things that is unique about A Link to the Past, kind of in comparison to the more modern games, is how incredibly hands-off it is. That's the word I'm looking for. Because the newer games, you know, Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword, um, the the handhelds, Wind Waker even, Mm -hmm. Wind Waker, Phantom Hourglass, Spirit Tracks, Breath of the Wild to an extent... They all include this more uh, integrated element of dialogue. Like, there's a lot of dialogue and interaction with other characters. There's cutscenes. There's all this kind of stuff that's just sort of meant to enhance the story of the game. And in many cases, you could say that it does. I think some of the cutscenes and character interaction of Skyward Sword in particular are what make that game fantastic to me. Other people hate it for that reason. But A Link to the Past and A Link Between Worlds both went away from those tropes, obviously because A Link to the Past didn't have them, and A Link Between Worlds because that's not a, that's not something that is part of A Link to the Past. So having played A Link Between Worlds and being reminded of, oh yeah, a long time ago you actually used to have a lot of freedom for where you went in the game and Mm -hmm. when, assuming you had the right gear, of course, uh, and sort of doing things on your own terms without a lot of interference from the outside world in-game. It's It's kind of like an early version of like what would be an open-world game. Yeah, kind of. I mean, for what it was at the time, the ability to have 
a map as big as A Link to the Past would have seemed revolutionary to people. Right. And it kind of still is. And going back to it, one of the things that is incredibly impressive about A Link, about a Link to the Past is it loses none of its novelty, quality, or even really, I, you could say that its graphic style is arguably what it loses the most of, but even then, it is still a good-looking game. Mm -hmm. You can play A Link to the Past today, and it is still a good-looking game, because the style that they use, that pixelated top-down style, it's just really hard to really date that style and have it be unplayable by modern terms. Yeah. It is still a super playable game. It is still incredibly fun. And for fans of The Legend of Zelda that haven't played those older installments, it is hands down the one that I would be like, play that one. Mm. Yeah, that's the one you have to play. Don't worry about those first couple of games. They're too hard. Everybody knows that. Just skip to A Link to the Past, get the better experience, and have a fantastic time learning about the roots I think that's what I really like about it the most, and that's kind of what I'm trying to draw back to here. Learning about the roots of such a long-standing series. Because it's not really the same as, say, the Pokemon games. Mm -hmm. The Pokemon games have followed a the same format for all 20 installments that have happened, except for maybe, like, Pikachu's Mystery Dungeon. <laughs> it's a real game that's not fake. And Detective Pikachu, of right. course. Um, but the Pokemon games at their core have followed an extremely similar pattern for every single time, just basically updating it with a bigger catalog of creatures that you can find and graphically updating it. Playing A Link to the Past versus playing the newer Legend of Zelda games is a real experience because you're like, oh, look at all these cool things that were still like in their infancy in terms of the series. And yeah. look at all these characters that are interacting for the first time that you're being introduced to. It's really fun and interesting. And I think that that novelty... Anyone could enjoy it, and I would highly recommend it to just any gamer, period, but especially any fan of The Legend of Zelda that hasn't gone back and played some of those more formative installments in the series. 10 out of 10. Man, I, I want to go back and do it. A like, Link to the Past is a perfect game. Yeah. It just is. And A Link Between Worlds is also fantastic. So if you have a handheld, if you have the 2DS or the 3DS, A Link Between Worlds is a really good handheld game. 10 out of 10. It's or a perfect it also game. also on the SNES Classic? A Link to the Past is. Yes. Not the other one. No. Okay. Pretty sure. Good. Now I'm blanking on that. No. A Link Between Worlds is the super Link new Between one. Worlds. That's for the 3DS and the 2DS. A Link to the Past is the one that did make it to the SNES Classic. No, that's Disney? like that's, that's a very interesting take and a very interesting direction that they chose to go with that. You know that, that to do that because that's a really cool way of looking at it, though, about how it really highlight, like you said, about highlighting the roots of the game. That's pretty sweet. That's I mean, a, like, that makes me want to go back and play it, even though I'm not self describe You know, I yeah, would not say I'm the biggest Zelda no. fan, but like still, that's a cool. I would like to <laughs> at least play around in it a little bit to to see kind of get hints of what you're talking about. Really, of the Legend of Zelda games that I can think of, which is all of them. <laughs> I feel like you would get the most enjoyment out of A Link to the Past. Okay. Uh, or A Link Between Worlds, either of them. Yeah. So when, oh yeah, but. you'll be able to do this. So when uh, Link's Awakening Which I was gonna bring up because makes its debut on the Switch, so you have to play it. I want to. It, like, it's basically, I, I, was, I know nothing about it. Yeah, you but don't the have art to. style is what hooked me on that one. You don't have to know anything about it. It's basically like Link's Awakening is getting the Link Between Worlds treatment, 
but even better yeah. because it's on the Switch. Right. And I, that's a day one must buy for me. I know I'm going to freak out and love it. That was my first Zelda game. You oh, know really? that, right? No, Link's I don't a- think I did. Link's Awakening was the first one I ever played. How cool. And that was literally when I was like, ah, yes. This small green man, Zelda. Like, because right, I was still, so right, young that I was like, yeah, this Zelda guy, he's pretty cool. <laughs> and then one of my friends was like, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> but not really because we were eight? seven. <laughs> man, I just guessed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, I played it on the uh, Game Boy Color. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it would have been. About that time. It would have been, been that one. one. Yep, that's the one. That's, that's really cool. That's no, I am excited right about there. it because the, the art of what Link is getting. Looks so good. You are gonna love it. I mean, I think anyone will love it. It looks like it's gonna be a per- perfect game. Yeah. Did you know that Link's Awakening was also the first introduction of the Chain Chomp? Really? It's called a Bow Wow because it goes bark bark. And okay, then, I knew it was called a Bow Wow, yeah. but I didn't know that was the first yeah. introduction of it. That the Chain Chomp's first Learned ever so much today. Like a intro- debut in Nintendo Land was in Link's Awakening as a Bow Wow. And then it goes to over to Mario. That is correct. And you actually got one of the specific dungeons getting to it required that Link borrow the Bow Wow from its owner. So you were Link walking your chain chomp in Link's Awakening. And that. it's gonna be in the reboot. And I cannot wait to have my Bow Wow back again. Have they, did they say a release date on that one? I don't know. Or just like still like it's You know, coming. I don't think they did. Yeah. I don't remember. I can't remember either. You would think I would know. Whoops. Since it's going to be a day one purchase. Whoopsie doodles. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that would suck. That would suck. <laughs> All right. Well, my second game that I want to talk about is another one that's kind of a, see, like, it's another one from my past. It's an older one. Pulling it out. Wait. You're not going to get it. Stronghold. No. Damn it, I thought for sure it would be cow malady. I mean, well, <laughs> malady has struck our cows, <laughs> my lord. That game will always be called cow malady in my <laughs> head. <laughs> well, because it's very similar in my head to like Civilization and Stronghold. All these games, like, same as you with Pikmin. You know when you played it as a kid and everything, your strategies were not good. My strategies were terrible, I'm sure. Yeah. I never played anything harder than the easiest difficulty mode on Civilization. But even now, like, I go back for it because it's the perfect game. I, I hardly ever finish a game of Stronghold or Civilization, but I just I could pro- I've probably finished three games in all the games of Civilization that I've played, but I just love going in, starting it, building around, playing, and just going back. And if it's you know, if for circumstances or whatever, and I get taken away from it for a while, I'll restart because I don't you know I was on a roll. But it's just fun to go back and replay that stuff. Of course, but that's not the game that I'm talking about though. The one that I'm going with is Lord of the Rings: Return of the King. Wait, is that why Legolas was on that's your computer? That's why Legolas screen? was on the computer. Oh, I was doing a little bit of research. Me, bro. I should have known. Ah, so this game came back, it's way back from 2003. And it's one, it came out on the PS2. I played it on the Mac when I finally got around to it. Was it when the Macs were like the big plastic thingies that mm-hmm. came in like pink and blue? Yep. Oh, yeah. fantastic. I love those Macs. <laughs> those were fun. But so this game, especially for me, is another one. I love its replayability because, again, it was one of the earlier games that I played. I played this one actually at friends' houses growing up around the time it actually came out. And then when I did finally get my own copy and played it on my computer, I just would replay it over and over and over again. Because this game is one that is built on not necessarily a second playthrough. It's built on many, 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 many playthroughs. Because you could play as all these different heroes from the from the movies and everything. I mean, Gandalf, uh, Faramir, I believe, all the hobbits. You could be Legolas, Faramir? Yeah. Of all people. Yeah. 
I guess if you were Boromir, you'd have to die super early on. Well, before really, the game that's the game out. I want. <laughs> Just where you can be Boromir. Just die. where you can be Boromir and you get to <laughs> die with your honor. <laughs> and you can be Gimli and all this stuff. So it was great. You'd have this great, great cast of characters that you could be. Each one, the more you play with them, would level them up. But the other thing that made it so great is that each character had their own move sets and combos that you could pull off. And how old is this game? Two thousand three. So it's so old. pretty old. Yeah. Okay, I actually did not realize that the legend, the legend of Lord of the Rings, <laughs> the Legend of Rings. <laughs> I didn't realize that the games were actually that old. Yeah, did and not this know is that. one that would like I would for sure if they announced a remaster or backward compatible version for some device. Like I, I would try to track that down and play it for sure because especially the one that sticks out in my mind the most I remember is the first mission where you're playing where it's the. Gandalf comes in at the Battle of Helm's Deep and saves everyone. And sa- that's you know, where you start. That's where you start. You don't start in Hobbiton. No, because it's Return of the King. It's only oh, it's, the, it's okay. the game for Return of the King. Gotcha. And so it's it's so great. And I was watching it again today for just for the nostalgia kick. But it starts off showing the cutscene from the actual movie where Gandalf's on top of the hill with the Riders of Rohan nice. coming down and everything. <laughs> but it's so funny when they actually get to the Orc line outside of Helm's Deep and they jump into it. You know, Gandalf's spears like. Get, or his staff is getting bright and right, blinding right. all the orcs and all that stuff. When it gets to its brightest, that's when the game decides to transition from the movie quality cutscene to PS2 level graphics. Oh, and it's man. so funny. That's but really when I, funny. I remember playing the game as a kid and being like, this is awesome. <laughs> it looks just like the movie. And oh God. And boy, did it not. <laughs> oh, it does not. But it's still so fun going back to that game and being Gandalf and having your sword and your staff and just wailing on orcs and Urukai. That does but sound what really made this fun. game so fun is what if every attack and however you were able to kill your enemies, depending like if they were able to get a hit on you while you were trying to kill them before you could kill them and all this stuff, it would rate your kill like fair, good, excellent, you know, perfect. And then each ranking for that would give you a point. Which doing you know like would give you points like seventy five for a fair at hundred for a goods et cetera and you know obviously it was more like it kind of gave this game more of like an arcade feel to it because you huh. could go back and try to get like a high score and like get because the better combos you could pull off and the better string of combos and a t- high attack ratings that you could pull off it would obviously get more points and then if you were able to fill your perfect meter which is every attack and hit you land like you see this like circle slowly start filling up but it slowly decreases too so it really encourages you to be offensive really hitting these heavy moves because then you can unlock perfect mode and in perfect mode every attack you do is perfect for gives a perfect rating for a specific amount of time that probably feels really good (laughs) it's so good but see, this is such the difference between how you and I sometimes look at different games. You went back to Legend of Zelda, you know, to Zelda for, for this comparison to the to the roots of the game. I just went back to this one because I just love just to play perfect works. mode again. <laughs> but, like, it's so good, and it's so fun just wailing on these holes and all these different levels, especially when you're going on. And they would introduce like harder enemies, all the different enemies that you see in the movies and things like this. It was just a really, really, really fun game and a great video game adaptation of a movie, which those. Those aren't. Those are very those few are and far f- between. Indeed, <laughs> almost as bad as like not as bad, but close to as bad as like movie adaptations of video games. I, d- I think movie adaptations of games are still significantly they're still very, worse. They're still worse. But I agree that they are both, by and large, pretty bad. Yeah. But so it's just a, it was a really fun as you progress through the story of Return of the King, playing as all the different characters, and man, just going back and watching the video of it today, I forgot that even for a game from 2003 which i mean games were good back then just the graphics weren't great they you know 
this game was very pretty and like the animations, the executions when you did land the combos and just how fluid everything looked. It was really like, I remembered enjoying it a lot and thinking like this game's awesome when I was playing it then. But like the last time I probably was able to actually play that game was probably about eight ish years ago when, or something when I've, uh, when my computer that I had to get for work and all that other stuff like was finally too new to be able to play it. Oh yeah, that's so, always a really sad day. It's sad. I still have the disc. <laughs> it's it's yeah, I'm, awesome. I'm holding on to it, just like I still have my disc of Dark Forces. Bro, Bro. no, that's a collector. I'm just kidding. Yeah, you have to hang on to that oh, stuff. Absolutely. Don't throw any of that away. Yeah. So that's really. I mean, sorry, Ark. I hope you weren't wanting something for way super deep. Go to Mogan for that. Apparently, she's got all the deep connections to her games. But mine, like the the combat in this game was just so good, so fun, and made just for an incredible experience that allowed for such great replayability. Also, again, similar to Halo Three. The music you're playing to Lord of the Rings music here, like it's, it's pretty gonna unbeatable. Feel epic. Yeah, it's going to feel really good. So that it, Enya, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm not even going to try to do Enya, but like, still, yeah, her song at the end. Oh man, may it be. That's what it was called. Mine oh yes, blank. it was. Uh, but yeah, isn't Return of the King? Isn't that the Annie Lennox song? The um, sing it for me. You know, it's the like across the sea. Is it? On the horizon. That one? Huh. I don't remember. Maybe. I think that was Return of the King. It's been a while. See, I was listening to music of that today and seeing this, and I was like, it's time for a rewatch of Return of the King. It's time to rewatch all the Lord it's of the Rings, actually. It's always time to rewatch all of Lord of the Rings movies. It that really time is. never goes away. Really? Oh, man. I do years. it like at least once or twice a year. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> extended editions or theatrical? Like extended ones, you fool. There you go. That's the way to do it. That's actually a movie series that, like, I bought the DVD, like, extended editions, and then I bought the Blu-ray And then the Blu-rays. Editions. Yeah, you got to. Got to stay on top of it You have to. Got to. Got to. Well, we hope you enjoyed that our uh, to- dive into that topic of games that why we wanted to do a second playthrough and why they warranted a second playthrough. And we would love to hear from all of you as well. So send us an email at teamchatpodcast at gmail.com. Comment below the video, the audio, anywhere you want. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. On our Discord channel, if you join us, the link to join is in the description below. And so we would just really love to hear which games do you like going back to for your second, third, fourth, fifth? Who knows how many playthroughs you want? If you Let like it know. that much, it's probably an okay game. Yeah, probably. Let us is. know. Maybe we, we will play okay them. Games. Yeah, we like okay <laughs> ones. <laughs> but before we go, we do have to do our soundtrack spotlight, which Mogan has prepared for us for this week. So we're going way, way back, bro, mm. all the way to 1992 in <gasps> North America, 1991 in Japan. <laughs> we are doing the Dark World theme from The Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past by none other than the final boss of Nintendo music and composing himself, Koji Kondo. We were doing the research for this, and we were trying to be like, well, who's the composer? And then we could have just guessed. guessed. We could have just shot into the darkness and And gotten it right. Koji Kondo. (laughs) Man, we're fools. Anyways, Koji Kondo, Dark World theme. A Dark World theme. So stick around after the close of the episode to hear that, which is pretty much now, unfortunately. But that brings this episode of Teen Chat Podcast to a close. Come back next week for another fun gaming topic on a brand new episode. But until then, I'm one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. Adios. We'll see you all next time. Stick around for the song.